Ole Miss has a football player poised to break out in 2023, but it's probably not who you think. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast. Hope everybody has a fantastic week this week. I'm Stephen Willis, and we are going to get right to it. J.J. Pekees has a chance to be the breakout player for Ole Miss in 2023. We're going to talk about quarterbacks ad nauseum. We're going to talk about Quinshawn. We're going to talk about those wide receivers and so many players offensively. But the success of the Ole Miss football team will in many ways come down to its defense and the best player on his defense will be J.J. Pegues. And now, going back to what Chris Partridge and company did last year defensively with the three-man front, but it was essentially basically the look of a four-man front, if you think about it. Just bear with me. Um, defensive ends on the right side and the left side, and in the middle was a nose guard. So the player that got taken out to run this hybrid scheme defense is the three technique on defense. And that, coincidentally, is a position tailor-made for J.J. Pegues and his athleticism to play. So now, with this defense coming in to where instead of one interior defensive lineman getting work all the time, you may have two, you may have three. So you're going to have a way that J.J. Pegues and Taiwan Malone can absolutely contribute. At the end of last season, even at nose guard, it became readily apparent that J.J. Pegues was Ole Miss's best defensive lineman. They used him offensively against Mississippi State, but defensively he was starting to make his bones. And against Texas A&M, he was a problem. He was a problem for that freshman quarterback. He was a problem for that center And because of that, confidence grew for J.J. He became the dude on that defensive line because Cedric Johnson being a little bit injured, Jared Ivey kind of finding his way. By the end of the year, J.J. Pegues was turning into a force even at nose guard for the Ole Miss defensive line. Now you're going to move him out to the three technique, the four technique, the five technique, out there a little bit wider to where he can use his athleticism. And you're going to have people like Joshua Harris and Xavion Harris in the middle. So you're not going to drop off in the middle of the field. So that means the defensive line has a chance to be salty. The defensive line has a chance to be solid moving forward. And that is because of the defensive linemen that they've been able to accumulate over the last couple of years. There's good players. Jermon Gordon, Tawan Malone, Jared Ivey. Those guys have a chance to be really good players for Ole Miss, and everybody's going to freak out about the defensive line and the way it looked, and I think that became just a little bit a little bit more of a physics problem than all we are aware of. You have a situation to where you could have an easy two-deep rotation of the three, and the, and the most important question after that would be the jack position, but that's a position for another day. We need to wait to see for spring training because not that player. We don't even know who Ole Miss is going to play at that position um, of their current players, and the players that they're going going to do have not taken a snap in practice doing that. So we need to wait a little bit on Jack. 
But until then, that defensive line, that first level of the defense that will become so important for Ole Miss football, we can see that the pieces are in place to do that. A defensive front three, because the jack linebacker is called a jack linebacker for a reason. It's a hybrid defensive end linebacker position. It just is. But you can take a J.J. Pegues. You can take a Jamon Gordon. You could take a Josh Harris, a Xavion Harris, a Jared Ivey, a Taiwan Malone. And you can see where the defensive line has players that can contribute. They have talent that they would be expected to contribute. So that actually helps the Ole Miss defense and the Ole Miss football team moving forward because the Southeastern Conference, amongst everything else, is a line of scrimmage league. If you get destroyed on the defensive line, you're going to get destroyed as a football team. So the offensive line and defensive line for Ole Miss has to be pretty good, period. And with J.J. Pegues, there is a potential for all-conference good to happen. He could be a force. You could see a situation where he just explodes talent-wise. And just out of nowhere, it's like, we, we can't block that guy. I, I, I don't understand what's going on with him. And him sucking up double teams. Josh Harris, if he can also suck up double teams, that'd be a benefit for Cedric Johnson or Jared, Jared Ivey. That'd be a benefit for the Jack. That would make the entire defense perform better. Like I said, I've said many times, I do not expect this defense to be overly good um, in the first year. I, I'm expecting somewhere in the 80s. I'm expecting them to be, though, very good in turning the ball over and playing defense in the red zone. So that that's what I think will happen with them. Their whole goal is going to be let's steal some possessions for the offense because this offense has a chance to be elite good. Now, they still have to do it but they have the pieces in place where that can happen. They have the scheme that could happen. They have everything that's there that means this could happen. It just needs to happen. If it doesn't, there's going to be a why. And we're going to ask questions why. Defensively, if the defense struggles, we're going to ask questions why. There's nothing wrong with people asking questions why. Especially whenever you're not getting that answer. Because whenever you're left to our own devices here to try and figure out what's going on, we're going to ask that question, why? Because they're not answering it. So this means something to us. We're going to have that conversation. This channel is all about commentary and perspectives. Of course we're going to ask that question, why it's happening. So anyway, coming up after this, we will have our What You Talking About Willis segment. And we're going to dig into the analytics of Lane Kiffin and why that is almost a tale that he might not believe as much as he says. But we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all that fat and calories, then you have to try Built Bar. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And I'm not sure how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. What's even better that they're healthy. They're only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. 
And now you don't need to wait to get your box. We've been telling you for years to go to Built.com, hit Locked On 15, and a box of Built Bars will come to your door. Now that is not the only option. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick them up. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. It's really amazing. Like I said, we've been trying to tell you to go to Built.com and use a promo code for years. Now you don't have to. Now it's on the brick-and-mortar number one retailer in America, Walmart. And they even have bigger, um, bigger sizes at Sam's Club, as you would expect it would bigger, bigger sizes. But you will thank me later. Um, go give it a try. Anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're going to move on to what you talking about, Willis. And this is what we're talking about this week. We're talking about analytics and fourth down conversions and how that affects the game. There's a movement that has overtaken college and pro football over the last years about going forward on fourth down. You've heard the saying, scared money don't make money, and it's all about the analytics to decide what we do, and great. It's all well and good if you get that answer, though. It becomes a shield for when things don't go well. There's not an analytic situation in the world that tells you to go for it from your own 10-yard line on 4th and 18. That, that, that book doesn't exist, but we've seen that happen as well. So what is going on, I do believe, is analytics have become an armor for bad decision-making and impulsive decision-making and impatient decision-making. And the result of that is the knowledge that he may not think and believe into what he believes in as much as he says so. It's kind of a fake it till you make it situation. But here's the thing. That hasn't been the situation. This team has been good enough to win straight up. If you go back the last three years, I want you to think about it. Just sit down and think. Close your eyes. How many games have Ole Miss won by playing the analytic go-for-it game? How many games has that caused Ole Miss to win? Now, on the flip side, I want you to close your eyes and think about how many games has that gone poorly? I can name three of them right off the top of my head one of which losing it potentially cost Ole Miss the playoff in 2021. But that Auburn game, four or five trips inside the 20-yard line, zero points, when if they would have just kicked field goals, Ole Miss would have won that game. I think Auburn won that game by seven points. Mississippi State, you get down to the five-yard line. They have 15 tackles for loss. They're doing a number on your running game because your offense is – at a disadvantage, you still decide to go for it. That one might be an analytically proven way to do it, but with that situation, with your offense, with what you were going with, that was problematic. And getting stopped there, Mississippi State gets the ball, goes down, scores a winning touchdown. You had a chance to go up, I think, 10 points. That game would have been over as well. 
And then there's the Texas Bowl that was called like a 12-year-old playing Madden to where no punts in the first half. Go for it from your own 10-yard line. It doesn't matter. Texas Tech was not, under any circumstances, in any world, that much better than Ole Miss. But whenever you go for a fourth down and they stop you, when you go for a fourth down and they stop you again, the emotion goes up. The confidence level goes up. The execution of the other team goes up, and it becomes even harder to win the game. Now, I understand this mindset if they, Ole Miss was playing Alabama or if Ole Miss was playing Georgia, something to where they had a distinct talent disadvantage on the field. It would make sense that you would need to play the analytics and hype it up and do what you need to do to try and move the ball and win. That's called playing winning football. That's called not playing scared. That's really what it's called. But when you have the advantage, which in many of those cases, talent-wise, Ole Miss had the advantage talent-wise, why would you risk it? Risk that emotional onslaught that could come. Risk that, that momentum change that always comes. There's no bigger momentum change that happens than when a fourth down stop occurs. Why would you invite that? Especially when you're playing on the road where that cauldron could be magnified by several points. Why would you do that? I think you just need to have confidence in how good your team is. Do I think they need to go for it? Yes, they probably do from time to time. But you also need to know who you are. You need to know what you are. Like I said, that game potentially cost Ole Miss a chance at the playoff. The Mississippi State game cost them an egg bowl. Now, good for Michael Leach. I'm glad Michael Leach got that win. I'm glad Mississippi State got that win for Michael Leach. So I'm not going to be mad over that. But that did happen. And that Texas Bowl was an embarrassment. If you want any questions about how we felt about that, you can go back there and listen to the postcast on that um, Texas Bowl. Absolutely ridiculous. But looking at everything that goes on, Lane Kiffin should have confidence. He has built the most talented roster that Ole Miss has had in modern college football. He's built that. He's got quarterbacks upon quarterbacks. You have to go back until Glenn Griffin was roaming the halls in 1962 to see a quarterback room that was this stacked. You have a running back on campus that was 100 yards away from breaking Herschel Walker's freshman record and already has the second most yards by a freshman ever in the SEC. You only lose one offensive lineman and you recruit at multiples to come in. It should improve. Trey Harris and Chris Marshall have a chance to be so legit on the outside. More talent than you've had probably since 2018. Tight end-wise, Caden Priestcorn coming in is a huge deal, not only because of what he can do, but what he'll do for Michael Trigg and the ability to do different things with Michael Trigg. I just told you why this offense can be crazy explosive in 2023. We have not seen this very often. Now, we have a quarterback competition we've got to get through, but the winner of that competition is going to make Ole Miss better, period. doesn't matter who it is. 
you got a running back that absolutely stars, and he's probably going to have lesser numbers and be, be more effective in 2023. And you've got a defense, as we talked in the first segment with J.J. Pegues, to where the defensive line, there's actually a two deep that has developed on that side of the ball. Linebackers, you can see players that have played and have been effective at their level. Monty Montgomery was a nightmare for Ole Miss in 2021 until he got a targeting penalty. You know, was it Walton um, at a corner? You've got defensive backs all over the field because they've recruited them. It was half the defense before. You can see why this team is going to be potentially good enough to have confidence in. The one thing that Ole Miss has to worry about for 2023 are games like Auburn in 2021. Mississippi State in 2022, and of course the Texas Bowl. Those were games that were not lost by the Ole Miss football team. Those were games that were thrown away to the altar of analytics or impatience or impulsiveness. I'm not sure which one, but all of those come into play when dealing with those fourth down tries over and over again. Should be really fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how 2023 can work. I think Lane Kiffin will learn his lessons. I think this offseason he has genuinely tried to learn from the mistakes that was made at the end of last season. The team is being built in a little bit different way, and that should tell you that transfers coming in over what was here last year, they're going to probably have the upper hand. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what Suntarian Perkins can do in the linebacker core, and how they use him. We are less than, or about two weeks away from spring practice starting. That's pretty cool. I think it's 15 days or something like that. And once that happens, we'll have a whole new sets of storylines that we can go down. We will have everything that you guys could want, and it should be a lot of fun. This week, hey, if technology doesn't rise this week, we got some interviews for you. Actually, you know, today, coming up after this break, we're going to have John Gillespie, um, John Macon Gillespie from the Grove Report, talking uh, about the coaches' search and the trip up to Minnesota and just whatever general news has been going on in Ole Miss sports. Um, but we're also going to have Jake Crane. We're going to have Charles Arbuckle. They're both scheduled for earlier in the week. Um, our normal um, contributors like Pratt is going to be on here. We're going to talk about that. We are going to have Kara. We're going to have Derek doing a pre pregame of the Purdue Boilermakers. So we got a lot of stuff coming for you. So we're going to fill it up over the course of the week and do whatever we can do. There's going to be some videos that might be at different times. Um, but hopefully we'll see exactly how that goes. I'm looking forward to talking to Jake and Charles Arbuckle. Arbuckle, um, I think, has um, seen Oklahoma State football with his ESPN color commentator duties. And because of that, um, I want to talk to him about Spencer Sanders because I'm hoping he's seen him. So I can't confirm that. He's just, you know, he's a Facebook friend. So we we do all of that. And I, I do want to meet up with him and um, set up a contact with Andre Ware. We want to get him as well because he does have some history in the SEC as well. So thank you very much for tuning into that. When we come back, John Gillespie, The Grove Report. Stick around. 
All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are, in fact, free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote the video, and comment down below. And also, if you're looking for fantastic free conf- content, you can always go over to the Grove Report with my friend, John Gillespie, who joins us today. How you doing, John? I am fantastic. Just sitting here watching uh, a little baseball on Big Ten Plus, if if you can call this this broadcast a broadcast uh it's not not the best quality but still having a good sunday yeah this was incredibly predictable that it would be like this but it's still disappointing for an sec group whenever you see how the rest of the country treats college baseball it it can be disheartening can it yeah i mean and you know i understand that in the southern part in the southern parts of the country you know college baseball is a bigger deal um and i think weather has has some stuff to do with that. And the sport has grown nationally. But as you can tell, the the Big Ten does not put as near as many resources into the sport as the SEC does. Yeah, as we're recording this, um, Ole Miss is in the process of batting around for a second time, and they're currently up eight to nothing in the top of the first against Nebraska. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's getting getting pretty crazy. Apparently, we just get eight to nothing. I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Ethan Groff is so good, man. Him and Clarko. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We call Lane Kiffin the Portal King, but what Mike Bianco did after winning the national championship absolutely impressive. I'm blown away. Oh, he he talked about that in his post game presser last night with us. That, um, you know, some of the most consistent bats in this lineup right now are new faces. I mean, obviously, you've got Jacob Gonzalez and Peyton Chatagnier and guys like that, but you know, a lot of them are. New faces. I mean, Calarco drove home five last night. So, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. And Minnesota hadn't won a game this season, and they gave Ole Miss every bit that they wanted. Congratulations to the Golden Gophers there, because this was probably the circled game on their calendar that they built up all year. And they they got their money's worth. So, congratulations to them. I'm not going to congratulate Maryland because we've done beating them so many times. They don't matter. And, of course, you know, Nebraska. I just care that Ole Miss beats Nebraska because half my, half my family is from Omaha. And they're all Nebraska fans. And but in the 90s, I had to listen to them tell me if Nebraska ever played Ole Miss, it would, it would not be pretty, Steve. It would not be pretty. So, after 2002, I have not heard from them negatively again. And I didn't want any reason for that to start back. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That was definitely the heyday for the Cornhuskers. Yes, absolutely. The Bug Eaters. The Bug Eaters. I will always call them the Bug Eaters. Um, Anyway, you know, let's go ahead and get started off with the college, uh, the basketball coaching search. Now, the Texas Tech coach has either been fired or suspended for verbally abusing a player at Texas Tech. So, the reason I say that is because that is obviously a potential landing spot for Chris Beard at the moment if they should they decide to do that. There was apparently another incident back earlier in the season where uh, the coach was accused of spitting on a player. And so they have some stuff they're going through there, but that is something to keep an eye on. But what are you hearing right now? Um, really, it's, it's pretty tight-lipped. Um, I think that it's – it's pretty well documented that, that I think that Beard is interested in the in the Ole Miss job at least, um, but outside of that, I mean, it's it's pretty tight lipped at this point um, as far as you know concrete information is concerned. But I, I do think that things like you just mentioned with the Texas Tech deal um, that obviously gets the wheel of speculation turning 
in this season uh, for for Ole Miss or any any coaching search season because you know once once fans have their eyes on one or two guys, you know, any potential opening that comes up automatically becomes a threat. And so, you know, folks start wondering, okay, is, you know, would Beard rather have Texas Tech than Ole Miss or are either one of those even a legitimate possibility? So I think we're still very much in rumor mill season um, with the most well-documented thing being that, yes, Beard is probably interested at least in the Ole Miss job. You know, the funny thing is, let's – I think Ole Miss plays Wednesday night against South Carolina. And by the way, um, if anybody is looking for conspiracy theories, if you look at Ole Miss's draw, there's a chance they could make the semis. There's also a chance they could go out the first night. But they play – they beat South Carolina. They get Tennessee, which they played within four points during the season. And if they win that game, they get Missouri, which is a game that they just played the tar off of them. So they obviously could win all three of those games. Of course, they could lose the South Carolina game to be over. But my point is, when that final horn sounds, that is probably, in my estimation, when we should start looking for a coaching hire at that point. That's when the clock starts ticking, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. I think um, as soon as it can happen, once the season is over, I mean, like that that last horn, whenever that is for Ole Miss, because – you know, barring a winning of this tournament, they're obviously not going to the NCAA tournament or the postseason. Um, yeah, I think that's that's definitely when you should keep your eyes and ears open for some kind of announcement in, you know, the next day or two right there with that. Absolutely. Well, let's change gears here real quick. Um, I don't have too much time with you, but I have a little bit. Um, the NFL Combine is was this weekend, and Malik Heath did not have the best Combine. Jonathan Mingo, on the hand, kind of did what are your overall impressions of it so far well and in looking at you know Heath and Mingo to me were the two biggest stories that came out of that because um Malik Heath's grading in the different the different drills you know it was good kind of good and then the 40 was not good um and I, I don't know exactly what you know I, obviously I can't I can't run the 40 yard dash I would die um but I know that there are very small, intricate details that can influence those times. And I think Malik Heath is plenty fast in order to to play at the next level. But obviously, he didn't have a great showing there. Um, but Jonathan Mingo, man, his his 40 time was was nice. And he, uh, of course, we've we've known for a while that he had, you know, big league potential, I guess, if you want to put it in those terms. Um, but, man, if, if the combine is any indication, I think there are going to be some teams who are – who were chomping at the bit a little bit to to get a hold of that Mississippi native. Yeah, and I think Tavius Robinson ran pretty well as well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, one, one of the biggest disappointments to me was that Zach Evans was not, was not able to compete because of an injury. Um, I haven't heard if he's going to try to go at Pro Day uh, for Ole Miss, but I was kind of looking forward to that myself, just kind of seeing how, you know, because he, he's had injury troubles throughout his college career, but – you know, we all know that his athleticism is off the charts. Um, so I kind of wanted to see how he did in that setting, but obviously we weren't we weren't blessed enough to get to see that. But I do hope that he's able to go at Ole Miss's pro day. I think that's late this month. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, these these guys have another opportunity to kind of kind of put their talents on display. But it'll be in Oxford, obviously. Okay, um, and changing the subject a little bit again on today on today's show, I'm doing a segment of what you're talking about Willis and talking about Lane Kiffin and analytics and going forward on fourth downs. That is my subject right now. 
And my argument, my thing that I'm talking about is analytics has become an armor to cover up bad decision-making and impulsiveness and impatienceness. And um, I think that happens. And I pointed out the Auburn game from 2021. If Ole Miss wins that, they might be in the playoff. And, and that would to do that, they just need to kick field goals inside the 20-yard line. Mississippi State last year, they kick a field goal instead of going for it from the seven. All of a sudden, they're up by 10 points, probably win that game as well. The Alabama game in 2021, the Texas Bowl last year. There, there's been many examples of analytics costing Ole Miss football games as opposed to analytics winning Ole Miss football games. What say you? Well, I think I'm actually a fan of the analytics side of it, but it may also be because I have an aggressive personality. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I do think that sometimes, yes, especially, you know, the Texas Bowl especially comes to mind with some of the aggressive calls on fourth down there. Um but, you know, deep in your own territory. And uh, just from a, I don't know if common sense is the right word, but ju just from a, you know, common practice perspective, that's kind of a no-no in the coaching industry. Um, but I do think that, you know, Lane Kiffin said when he was hired at Ole Miss that, hey, this is going to be how we kind of run things. And coming from the uber-conservative approach of the Matt Luke era, to this, I think was kind of a breath of fresh air for Ole Miss fans. And when it works, you know, you'll notice that people praise the decision. When it doesn't mm -hmm. work, they obviously don't. Uh, I think that's just kind of the nature of of the business. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I can see how, you know, putting something behind, like you said, that armor or that shield of analytics, saying, okay, this is what the book said, uh, kind of gives you, in it may, maybe in Kiffin's mind, a way out from a decision that didn't work out, you know, if, the, if that makes sense. I know that's kind of a rambling way to explain it, but yeah, I, I can see that. And, you know, I'm not a math guy. I never have been. Um, but obviously analytics are very math driven. And so, um, you know, there are people who are smarter than I am who handle all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, personally, to go back to my original point, I, I do like the aggressive nature of his play calling sometimes, but um there are other times where I'm like, you know, even though the book says one thing, looking at the feel of the game might need to say something else. Yeah, my my, my um, points that I talked about is that, A, there's no player that changes momentum more quickly than a stop on fourth down. So if it doesn't work, the other team has a huge boost. And whenever you're playing in these cauldrons in the SEC, that becomes problematic. And second of all, I understand it a little bit whenever you have on paper a lesser talent than your opponent. But when you are the superiorly, you have more talent than everybody else on the field, why why take the risk? Why give them the boost? Why, you know, that that's my thought there. Yeah, that's true. And I, I've never really thought of it that way, but that is a good point. Um, you know, it, I guess kind of the way that, that you're seeing it is why give – the less talented team, more belief that they're actually in this game kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that because you are right. I mean, it is a big momentum swing whenever a defense gets off the field on fourth down because usually, you know, field position is a lot of times involved and things like that or, you know, just the simple fact that the offense didn't come away with points. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Um, and, you know, I, I have friends who say that momentum doesn't exist. I think it absolutely exists mm -hmm. because I think a lot of the – a lot of sports in general is played in between here. 
in between your ears and your brain is a mindset thing along with physical capabilities, of course. But if, if your mindset's not in the right place or you have a big letdown or a big boost like that, yeah, that's going to affect crowd. That's going to affect uh, play calls. It's going to affect all kinds of things. And so it may not be a tangible thing, but I absolutely think that momentum exists. And I think that you may be right there. Yeah. And anybody that doubts momentum, just go back and look at the 2015 Memphis game. That game oh turned, turned on a fourth down play. And at that point, Memphis had all the confidence in the world and went out and just dominated the rest of that football game. When before that, if you hadn't have done it, you're probably up 17 to seven and things are just kind of murking the waters and you end up winning that game 31, 17. But as it sits, you well, know, I, think, ball game. I think a lot of people remember that game because of the Kendichi injury on offense mm-hmm. on fourth but, down. Exactly. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think some people forget just how in control of that game Ole Miss was early. I mean, very early, but it seemed mm-hmm. like that this was not going to be a contest. And then, it's just like the air is let out of the balloon there. So yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally see that. Yeah, and like I said, we're, we're we're in a situation where we do it. We're kind of it's kind of what we are, and that's fine. But I mean, we can talk about it. We can, you know, nobody else is going to answer the question, so we can speculate on why and how and whether or not it's the right thing to do. That's that's the reason we pay well, our money, right? Those those people get paid big bucks to make those decisions. We mm-hmm. get paid much lesser bucks to analyze the decision. So, yes. Yeah. And, and some of us get paid none bucks. So it's, it's all good. Well, that's but, true too. Yeah. yeah. So, but like I said, he, he gets to do it. He sticks to his guns. I do respect the heck out of that, that even whenever Auburn happens, he comes back and does the same thing. It would be different if it was up and down based on um, success rate, but it is a philosophy, and I do respect that. I just question not whether or not that philosophy is the right one when Ole Miss is where it is now. Not where yeah. it was in 2019, but where it is right now. I think that, that has changed a little bit. That's my opinion on that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. All right, anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make out and make sure and check out our new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, everybody needs to go to the Grove Report. Check out all their great stuff. I'm um, on their text thread so I can see what's coming out early. they got tons of stuff over there. There's always stuff breaking. John's got you covered. John, thank you very much for coming on the show today. And it doesn't look like they've scored a run in the second inning, so it's still 8 to nothing. So I haven't kept you too long. No, that's fine. That's fine. I appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you. All right. See you later, brother.